Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 80 of the Frame Skip Podcast. We've made it made it out of the 70s. We're now over the hill, right, Coach? Just like you. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let me write that down. Well, you're gone for over two weeks. Hill, <laughs> gone for like two weeks. You, Austin, <laughs> December 14th, 2021 at... <laughs> I am of course Austin Eller. I've I've been away for a couple of weeks, but I'm back now and, and fired up, ready to insult my two co-hosts. The first of which you just heard from. He's upset. He's upset at what I just said. His name is the coach, Kyle Newman. What's, what's up? What's on, up? Coach? Nothing much, man. Another day, another dollar, as they say in the military. <laughs> well, all right then. Uh, and I'm also joined by. <laughs> We've also got George Double Chin Loftus. <laughs> George $2 Loftus. How's it going, George? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It feels good to be back. Yeah. It's good it's to nice. see both of your faces. It's nice having you back. I'm, uh, I'm scared. We're just going to get randomly razzed throughout the episode. Austin's just going to pull out a big stick and poke us with it. <laughs> well, oof, that's dangerous. Like a jerk, yeah, yeah. No, no eyes, yeah. please. So, um, how are you guys doing? I mean, it's 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 been a little while for me, but of course, I listen every week to you. I'm I'm that omnipresent force in this podcast as the editor, but it's been a little bit. It's 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 been an exciting time. We're in December now. We're halfway through December. The holidays are upon us. I've got to mail some gifts like pronto. <laughs> That's where I'm at in <laughs> December. I was able to mail mine off on Saturday, so I think I'm okay. Like this coming Saturday? You're no, gonna last Saturday. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess we haven't mentioned this officially on the show, but we do have a uh, frame skip secret Santa going on. And, and next episode of the podcast. What day? Will... Is it next week? Yeah, it's next week. Ooh. Okay. Well, I don't know what that means. I guess coach. Yeah. Coach, coach how, not long gonna it, make it. how long does it take for stuff to get from Texas to Maine? No, 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 no. Am... That's not that because I already said, oh, how long does it take? No, I just I got a message on like the uh, the website we use, and everyone says "bro," but for some reason, when I read the message, I just read it in Coach's voice. <laughs> What's it, up, it, bro? Literally, it literally just it literally just said "packages on the way, bro," and I was like, I was like "That was I can't Seth, remember. right?" I don't know. That's, That's the thing. Ev- everyone like, says "bro." And I was <laughs> thinking. Seth, who are you talking to, man? Because I saw the message. I'm like, is it to me? Is it to George? Is it well, to I saw he said that. So basically, for those listening, we're using like a, a Secret Santa website. And there's a way where you can message everybody in the group. And then there's also a way I think we're right, was, which is what you got, George, where you can like privately message or something, I think. Is that? Yeah. I think that's how that works. Yeah. But Seth like messaged the whole group saying that he was like, hey, guys, my package is going to be there on Friday. I was like, well, Seth, that means whoever's package shows up on Friday is going to know it's from you. Right. <laughs> so anyway, next episode, I guess me and George will be opening two president, presidents. Presents. Yeah, buddy. And that'll be it because Coach apparently has another podcast he's recording at the same time that is doing Secret Santa and it's not frame skip. And Wait, Seth is doing another podcast? No, I'm saying Seth and Coach both are because oh, they're not going to be here. Oh, okay. Apparently, Coach is I have, saying I have a recommendation. Okay. Because we're in the holidays. Have you guys watched 8 Bit Christmas? Not yet. I, want to. I don't even know what that it's is. It's fun, man. It's fun. Is it as good as the classics like Elf and A Christmas Story? No, but it is next tier. Okay. Right? So, 8 Bit Christmas is Neil Patrick Harris telling his kids about like a crazy Christmas from his youth where he was trying to get an NES. Yes. Oh, that's pretty interesting. But the like thing that. is, what's what's fun about it is it's not about video games, right? It's just about you remember in a Christmas story, it was about the Red Rider BB gun. Right. So you could draw parallels, but it's still fun, right? It's still good. It's got some some funny, wholeheartedly moments. Wholeheartedly. So I have to ask, just while we're on this topic, what are your favorite Christmas movie or movies? Okay, so a Christmas story is by far in my number one. Okay. Ooh, okay. Uh, number two, I'll do my top three. Number two is Family Man. The Nick Cage one with Tia yes. Leone? Okay. Yes, I love that, that one. 
And then I would have to say on Christmas Day after, you know, all the excitement and hula, it, you, you got to go uh, die hard. <laughs> You're one of those people, huh? Yes. I'm one of them. George, what about you? Do you have any favorites? Yeah, my number one is Trading Places. Huh. Which, uh, it's like a Christmas and New Year's movie. It's about Dan Aykroyd, who's like a wealthy stockbroker in New York City. And uh, Eddie Murphy, who's like this homeless guy. And Dan Aykroyd's boss thinks that Dan Aykroyd's like an idiot and that anyone could do his job. So he bets his super rich brother a dollar that they could put anyone in that job and they do just as well. So they like ruin Dan Aykroyd's life and put Eddie Murphy <laughs> in Dan Aykroyd's job. And then they like find out what happened to them. And it's about them trying to get revenge on the brothers. It's really, really funny. Oh, wow. I have to watch that. I've never yeah. seen it. That movie's hilarious. Also, it's got Jamie Lee Curtis topless in that movie. So it meant a lot to <laughs> like creep. Meant that's a, lot. a Christmas gift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> meant, a, meant a lot to prepubescent George. Besides that, I don't really, I don't like folding in the non, like Iron Man 3 takes place during Christmas. No, nah, I don't care. Die Hard takes place during Christmas. I'm like, it's not really, it's not like in the spirit of Christmas. Right. Like it just because it, it happens at the same time. Well, like is Harry Potter a Christmas movie? Because, you know, <laughs> it, it, Christmas happens in that movie too. Yeah, you related. They also that. mention Christmas in the background of that movie. So I guess it counts, right? Uh, I really enjoy Nightmare Before Christmas. And then, God, yeah. what's the one with Seth Rogen? I uh, think I know the, what you're talking about. The night, bef- the night Before. That one was yeah. on... That one was on sale last Christmas when I was, like, drunk and wrapping gifts on Christmas Eve. So I bought that, and I was up until 4 o'clock in the morning because I didn't wrap any presents. I was just watching that movie. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. But yeah, I don't. I actually love rom coms. So like, I love the holiday. Yeah. I love Love Actually, and usually every year Netflix adds a whole bunch of garbage that I'll just watch everything. How about you, Austin? My favorite, just because this was like a Christmas tradition in our household every year when I was a kid, is uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. So I, I adore that movie, and I bring that up because Andy and I just went and saw it in theaters the other night, which was awesome. Ooh, so, the classic classic movie night at your uh, at yeah, AMC or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I I just adore that movie, and um, I'm trying to think of my other favorites. I know pretty generic, but I, I I do love Elf. I think that's such a good movie. And um, I, I mean, know it's what my third it's probably be. it's probably like one of the strongest contenders for like best Christmas movie of the last yeah. like fifteen years, yeah, right? Elf, right? Yeah, like Favreau's first movie he directed. Yeah, yeah. It gets a really, lot of I did. It gets a lot of crap, but it's really good. And then I guess this was just like a product of my time, I guess, since I'm younger. But I, I did love the first like Santa Claus movie with Tim Allen. Oh, when I was younger. gosh. Yes. It's such a Those good movie. Those are classics. Yeah. yeah. Definitely classics. Easy. So never seen it. Really? What? Yeah. It's surprising. Oh, yeah, it is. It's good. Good laughs. Well, uh, good transition point, though, because you know what uh, is a good Thanksgiving movie? Spider-Man 1. Ooh. <laughs> that's right. Okay, see, that's, that's the equivalent. Right. That saying man. Die Hard is a Christmas movie is yeah. like saying Spider-Man 1 is a Thanksgiving oh, movie. Oh, yes. Yeah, the top three th- favorite Thanksgiving movies, Spider-Man 1 is at the top. Yeah, it's that. It's uh, it's The New World starring Christian Bale by, by director Terrence Malick. Um, so I, I'm, I bring this up, though, because I just wanted to quickly say, I think I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the show or it might've been off air when we were just chatting, but Andy and I have been rewatching all the old Spider-Man movies leading up to no way home, which uh, crazy that that's this week and getting phenomenal reviews by the way, which is exciting. Um, but this is really the first time I'd rewatched like any of the Sam Raimi Raimi movies or the, um, I think it's Mark Webb or something is the, yeah, Mark does amazing one and two. Right. And, um, it was just kind of an interesting experience because I'm sure like you guys, I, I think everyone was in the same boat when the first couple movies came out where everyone was like, oh my God, these movies are fantastic. And I don't know, man, I think that like nostalgia lens has kind of cleared over for me because rewatching those movies, they are okay. 
<laughs> no, you're you're out of your mind. You are so spoiled by the MCU, man. The, well, here's the thing. Spider-Man 1 is all right. I, I genuinely still love Spider-Man 2. 3 sucks. 3 makes no sense at all. Um, yeah. And then yeah, honestly... But we, but we knew that at the time. Like, everyone yeah. left theaters thinking, like, well, that was the worst of the three Spider-Man movies. But still, it was like, for me, like, going back, I think the one that surprised me the most was 1. Like, I was a little shocked that I didn't... Like, it was just all right. I don't know. I didn't, like, thoroughly enjoy it. Like, I remember when I was a kid and, and even too, I still love Doc Ock in that movie, but a lot of like weird dialogue and just strange cho- character choices, especially from Harry and James. Happy Franco, to pay like, the oh, bills, Otto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that, that was the thing that stuck out like a sore thumb to me and rewatching those movies is Harry sucks for uh, James Franco in those movies. Just awful. <laughs> really, really bad. In his defense, Harry sucked in the comics, too. It's also, it's not fair. Like, it really is comparing apples and oranges because, no, yeah. you like, with Tom Holland, like, Tom Holland has had, like, the best film Spider-Man career because, like, he didn't have to do the thing that everyone else had to do. Like, I, I can't believe they retold the origin in Amazing Spider-Man when, like, yeah. we had just gotten it. Yeah. And, like, Batman Returns and Batman Forever, like, they didn't retell the origin there, you know? Like, right. when they re- when they recast Val Kilmer and then they recast George Clooney, both as Batman, like, they knew they didn't have to start from zero because the audience had familiarity with, like, the concept of Batman. But the fact that, like, Spider-Man 1, I'm willing to forgive as, like, a uh, an origin movie because that was yeah. the, the first big Spider-Man right. appearance. But for them to do it again in Amazing Spider-Man was just uh ill-informed well, and that's the thing is like we just watched both amazing one and two like over the weekend so that was a more recent development and i enjoyed those movies a lot more than i remember actually yeah. i i really like two surprisingly two's, re- two's really good people dog on it and i don't really know why that final scene where he's like electro, that's why yeah electro that scene where great. he's on a bridge is like one of the best spider-man scenes ever on film ever yeah. it's incredible the, i mean Coach is right, though. I think the biggest weakness with that film is Electro, because it's like you get Jamie Foxx, but then, yeah, he's all right for like the first half. But as soon as he becomes Electro, it just doesn't his character doesn't make sense at all. Um, It's it's really tough because at the time, Marvel was drawing from two different sort of like histories because the Ultimate Universe was still incredibly popular at the time, which was the the publishing line of like, what if the Marvel Universe happened in the year 2000? And that was like the, the start point. Right. And so I really think that the ultimate line has been sunset like in the past, I don't know, six, seven years. And I think that sort of has opened up a lot of the movies because all of a sudden they don't have to draw from all these like weird, disparate interpretations of the character. I think they're a bit more confident to make their own. And you can hear things like this on a brand new podcast coming to you (laughs) this Friday. The trailer comes out tomorrow. It's a short box summary. I'm the host. It is all about comic book and comic book culture. The first three episodes cover Avengers Disassembled, covers Blade, and we also have a mailbag already. Our second episode was a mailbag. Look how lucky we are to have questions already. Um, But no, I think it's like, I I think those movies are severely underrated, the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Because it's like the the guy who did 500 Days of Summer got to do a Spider-Man movie. Like, that's that's incredible. Well, and I'm sorry, but like, this is the one thing I, I will say, and then we'll, we can move on. I just, I, I love talking about these movies because they're so fascinating to me, just the the timeline of them and how much they mean to, you know, kids my age, you know, growing up watching Spider-Man one at seven, eight years old and, and, you know, with two and three coming out in that same kind of time frame. Um, the thing that I, that really stuck out to me was how much better of a Spider-Man Andrew Garfield is than Toby Maguire. And I I just that's just my opinion I guess, but like watching Toby's lines and dialogue it's like I don't know man, he's like so boring and drawn out. I just don't like the way he plays that character. I it's love fun. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, but here's the thing though is like he's very much an interpretation of like the Stan Lee Steve Ditko Spider-Man yeah. from the 60s. Right. He is a walking manifestation of it. And like, I've had this, I've had this theory that the nineties are so similar to the sixties because 
it was the first time they didn't have to worry about the Cold War. So like if people were just like trying their best to like relive the glory days of the country without this right. giant doom gloom cloud over their head, wondering if Russia is going to like bomb them back to the Stone Age, you know? Right. And like that movie is so campy and I really it like is. it. because I really like it because of that. I also think Sam Raimi is like an incredible director. Yeah. And I think there's more personality in like the transitions between scenes in that first Spider-Man movie than the last five MCU movies. Like the, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like MCU movies are like really competent, well-made movies, but there's no flavor to them. Like there's right. no like personal signature in any of those movies, which bums me out about them. Like I want, you had Edgar Wright about to make an <laughs> Ant-Man movie. And Seriously. you like let you let him go because of creative differences. That dude's like one of the best filmmakers the last twenty five years, and you just let him walk because you didn't like the idea of him doing cuts the way he wanted to. Like, get the hell right. out of here, man! Let the dude make his movies. I do have one thing to finish before we we go on, and and I think that Sony is onto something, but I think they're they're gonna mess this up because they need to stop killing off. They're uh, they're villains. If you want to have a, a, an MCU esque type of thing with in the Spider Verse in the the Spider Man world, right? You got to keep these characters because you could do yeah. something special with uh, Noel, you know, and uh, with Spider Man with uh, with Miles Morales. You could do some really cool things. So I don't know. I will say I feel like the MCU has that issue too, though, where like probably at least three quarters of the movies, the villains die, which is yeah. like kind of an interesting dilemma because obviously in the comics, I mean, people die every now and then in the comics, but it's also like, you know, they're going to come back immediately, basically. And so they, they typically don't have much consequence, but at least in the MCU so far, things have, have stayed pretty static. So no, you're right, though, coach. I think that's a good point. Oh, I was gonna. I, I have like a scorecard actually of like the status of villains in the MCU. If you guys, I just wrote. This <laughs> oh yes, my, I just read this. For, I just I just read this for my website. Yeah. Uh, original Iron Man, Obadiah Stane, the Ironmonger, KIA, uh, the fake head of the Ten Rings, as retroactively fixed by Shang Chi, also KIA. Incredible Hulk, Abomination, MIA. He appeared in Shang Chi. Iron Man Two, Whiplash, KIA. Justin Hammer, incarcerated. Thor, NA. Captain America, Red Skull, MIA. Uh, Avengers, NA. Iron Man 3, Aldrich Killian, KIA. Thor, Malekith, the Dark, or Thor, the Dark World, Malekith, the Dark Elf, uh, killed in action. Uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Bucky, Reformed, Pierce, Sitwell, Zola, killed in action. Guards of the Galaxy, Ronan the Accuser was killed in action. Uh, let's see, Age of Ultron, Strucker, KIA. Ultron, KIA, probably not, though. Ant-Man, Yellowjacket was killed. Captain America Civil War, they killed Crossbones and Russian super soldiers. Doctor Strange, they killed Cassilius and uh, Baron Mordo. He's still alive. He's still around somewhere. We'll see what Baron Mordo is up to. Yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming, the Vulture, the Tinker, Mac Gargan, and Shocker, those are all incarcerated. So, like, those villains can still come back. In Thor, uh, Hela, sorry, Thor Ragnarok, Hela was killed. Surtur was killed. Grandmaster was killed. Scourge was killed. In Black Panther, Ulysses Claw was killed. Killmonger was killed. Avengers Infinity War, NA. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Bill Foster, still alive. Ghost, still alive. That's neat. In Captain Marvel, Jan Rog, Jude Law's character, he's still alive. In Avengers Endgame, Thanos just, like, blinked out of the universe. <laughs> the Black Order blinked out of the universe. In Spider-Man Far From Home, the Molten Man was killed in action. The Hydra Man was killed in action. And Mysterio was killed in action. Black Widow, I think Taskmaster is alive. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Sorry, but like they killed a bunch of people in Shang-Chi too. And I haven't seen the Eternals yet. I assume they also probably ruined it there. So the MCU is just as guilty of this, except I think the multiverse is like literally them removing all stakes from their movies where they, they can just go into the multiverse. Oh, Killmonger's dead. Oh no, we actually found a universe where Killmonger is actually Black Panther and he's going to fall into our universe. So we got Killmonger back. We've got Black Panther back and everyone has to deal with the drama of seeing <laughs> you know, Killmonger be the new Black Panther. Like, and that's going to be like their emotional stakes going forward, which I think removes all emotional stakes from everything yeah. going forward. If you can just fix whatever yeah. you want by just saying it's from a parallel earth, but I digress. Sorry. Oh dude, you know how awful it would be. I, and I know they're not going to do this, but imagine if they were like, Oh yeah, 
Tony Stark's back. It was he was in another universe. We brought him back over to this one. Well, that's the thing. Like they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna bring back Robert Downey. They're gonna bring back like a young Robert Downey, like, right? Like a new kid or right. Like I think they've announced that Riri Williams is gonna be in the MCU, mm-hmm. but like yeah. I don't know if that's Riri Williams as Riri Williams who appeared like in the MCU alongside Tony Stark, like in the in the comics dip. Or if she's just like, for all intents and purposes, just Tony Stark in another universe, you know, where like she's the daughter of like an industrialist and, and war manufacturer, like a weapons manufacturer. Like, I, I don't know. That's the only thing that like makes me apprehensive is like you guys have carte blanche to do whatever you want. And as soon as you open that possibility, nothing really matters the way it used to. Yeah. How do you think their momentum is going with this round of movies? Remember there was the excitement when we phase one yeah. went into phase two. I think, what do you think people's excitement mo- level is right now? I think movie wise, it's gotten off to a little rocky start, to be honest. Because like, I know a lot of people just didn't really care for Black Widow. I know people enjoyed Shang Chi a lot, and and Eternals. Obviously, I mean that's just a mixed bag for most people, even though I loved it. Um, but it's it's been interesting because you know we went and saw Eternals and Shang Chi opening night in like a pretty heavily populated city, and those theaters were probably like a quarter full. It's a pandemic. You know? I'm like scared to go to the theaters. I I'm debating so hard if I can convince my friend Ben to go see Spider Man. Like yeah. the dude who I saw Iron Man one with in theaters like in high school, the guy who like we ditched early. Right from something to go see Spider Man three together. Like if I can convince him to go see Far From Home this weekend, I don't know. He's got to talk to his wife. He's got to like figure out what to do with his two kids. Right. But if I can do that, like we're we're going. But like even then, I'm like terrified. I'm like, do I stand no. in the back of the theater away yeah. from everyone? Like no, and I get that, and and I'm not. I and I understand that as part of the conversation too. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is with Far From Home, like at least here in that same theater, tickets sold out like immediately for every single showing on opening night. So it's been just kind of an interesting ride. And I I think you're right. I think the pandemic does play a role in those sales, but I think it's also, I think it also is a hype factor. Um, Which is interesting because I feel like a lot of people just praise the MCU shows earlier this year, as far as WandaVision and um, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki but I don't really feel like that same excitement has really carried over to these these first few mu- movies, at least. I think that's changing with Far From Home. I think a lot of people are excited for Far From Home, but I, it's just interesting. Right. I, I've enjoyed every movie that they've put out. Same. Yeah. Okay. But it seems like in the 90s, 2000s, where these movies, they weren't connected in any way. You know, yeah. there wasn't any overarching story that's binding in sure at the end we get you know the little you know the 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 scenes after the uh, credits right the post-credit scenes right we get that but it seems like their origin stories which is fine because we don't know anything about eternals we don't know anything about shan chi but there's no like at least we knew okay avengers unite right we knew that was going to happen we don't know what's going to happen right now and and after what, how many movies have been out? Is this, Spider-Man is going to be the fourth one, right? Yeah, it'll be the fourth one. We, we don't know what, what's going to happen in the next, you know, five to eight years, however long this. Yeah. This and I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there. I have a feeling by probably this time next year, I think we'll have a little more of a solid answer between um, uh, Multiverse of Madness and is Guardi- no, Guardians is not next year. I forget what all is next year, but I, I think we'll have a little more solid of an answer of the direction we're going. Um, I think it's it's pretty clear, though, we're heading towards King. I think King is kind of what they're building to. Um, and Young Avengers, I think, is the other thing they're, hell, they're kind of working hell, towards. Hell yeah. Did you read a cool article about that on a website <laughs> also oh, recently? A website? Which one, George, <laughs> do you want to tell us? Uh, yeah, it's a little nice little spot. It's called shortboxsummary.com. There's a, a blog there called The Spinner Rack. I recommend you check it out. It's got Who's some blogger. Eyes, uh, piece of <laughs> real. Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> I let me write that down. <laughs> Sorry. Write that uh, he's okay. He's fine. Uh, better podcaster, though, except when he swears. But uh, he has a podcast. He's super explicit. You'll love it. Um, I'm. 
confused as to how a Spider-Man movie, like on paper, makes sense to be like the biggest event since the th- yeah, like the, since Thanos killing half of the universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it feels weird to me. I'm like, isn't aren't his problems like rent and <laughs> like blowing people off who think he's a jerk? Like, isn't that like his biggest? Yeah concern and so like i'm excited to see like tom holland's great doctors like uh benedict cumberbatch is great as doctor strange like i'm super excited for this movie but also it parts of it feel weird just to be like okay this is like the second biggest event in the marvel cinematic universe yeah well, spider-man one now let me ask you this recently it's been it's said that spider-man is not going into china right mm-hmm. Did you, oh. okay do you think because it's not going to be played in china do you think it's going to make the hit the one billion? Yeah, I think it's going to hit one billion, no problem. I think it will. I think it will because I think people are so excited for this movie. But at the same time, I want to say Shang Chi did not go to China either, um, just because they didn't but like they, the way they're. I wonder what Shang Chi made. Yeah, Shang Chi was was kind of low, if I'm remembering correctly, but not like low for an MCU or not like low for a normal movie, just a little low for an MCU that movie. Was such an entertaining movie, man. Oh yeah, that's the best one. Yeah, yet, I would say yeah. of, of this phase. But um, yeah, it's just interesting. I need, stuff. I need to rewatch Black Widow. Yeah, check it out again. I like that. I like I like Black Widow. It was it was just like uh, one of the boring movies, right? Fun. Yeah. You're you're totally right though, where like the emphasis on earlier two thousand movies, um, like like Blade, like there was no pressure to make a comic book movie. So they just made a kick ass action movie yeah. with like vague comic book lore sprinkled in. Like they just use that as like the skeleton. And they're like, Okay, how do we chore- choreograph a kick ass fight scene between Blade and like six other dudes with swords? Right. And then they built a movie around that. And I think Part of the reason that like the MCU struggles to like retain a lot of its talent, and I don't mean like actors, obviously they come back, but like a lot of the behind the scenes talent, like the fact yeah. that John Favreau is not directing movies anymore, I think he's just like a little frustrated with like the process. Where and then he went to you know Mandalorian, where he has Whoa. way more creative con- control, yeah. you know, th- than he That's ever would have had. Star Wars. Yeah, no, he's great. It's awesome. Um, I'm so excited for Book of Boba. Hills, yes. Um, but we I just think a, we are gonna have a podcast on that. Oh, we absolutely will. Yeah, uh, I, I just think there's there's too much at stake with these movies that doesn't allow them to ha- take risks in a way that I think the early two thousands movies were fun because they took risks. Well, not like, only that is like think of think of the the negativity that Eternals got that Black Widow got. I mean they were good movies. Like they were solid. They were fun. And I enjoyed myself watching it. And I'm like, I wonder if people are just being too like, you know, under the microscope on these when it's just, just enjoy it to have, it's supposed, it's supposed to be fun and they just don't want to have fun with it. Yeah. Well, and it's like what, 25 movies later, I think people are like kind of set in the ways of, Oh yeah. These precious 25 movies, they can't, they can't be touched. Nothing can change. And it's, you know, it's just, my last point, I guess, is just it's going to be interesting to see where we go. And um, uh, what I will say is, aside from Shang-Chi, I think Loki is the best thing since Endgame. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Loki was incredible. And I I liked WandaVision. I thought it kind of petered off but like yeah. by, by the end of it. Yeah. I'm really enjoying Hawkeye. They've changed a mm-hmm. lot from the actual series that it's based on, I think, for the yep. better. I'm so yep. happy that there's no like sexual tension between Kate and yes. Clint, the way there was in the book that made me <laughs> that made me so uncomfortable in the book yeah um that might be the new favorite christmas movie also like that's true I, i'm uh i'm <laughs> uncomfortable going to theaters still yeah i love the tv model like i love that we get six hours of of hawkeye and like i love that it's spread out over six weeks part of me wishes it was like the netflix model where they just dump it all on one day Yep. But I don't know, mate. We just get we get to spend more time with these characters that like we we say we love but don't see, you know. It's just such great storytelling. <laughs> such know? great storytelling, getting those extended stories and um like I said, I mean that's why I just adored Loki is aside from the fact that it just broke the MCU basically and actually did set up, you know, really cool stuff for the future. Um spending time with Loki, a character who you really hadn't spent much time with 
up until now and learning about him. And, you know, it was just I love that show. It was a, it was like a six hour exploration of cosmic nihilism. Like right. no MCU movie is like going to sit there and act, <laughs> ask questions about existential dread, yeah. which like, I don't know, came at a great time for me. Austin, you're in your, you're 26, 20, 25. Yeah. I'll be 26 next month. Yeah. You'll be 26 next month. Uh, it's going to come at you soon, man. You're going to start having existential <laughs> dread. It's going to just kick your ass. So uh, I'm glad you have Loki that you can go back yeah. to in, for, in for reference. Yeah. And also think about this between the on Disney Plus between the Marvel um shows and Star Wars. Yeah. Think of all of the young soon to be directors that's going to get their start. Yep. That's going to have an opportunity to do something because that's when things get really good when you bring young talent that really want to make a change and do something special. Right. That's why I'm excited for for this and that's why netflix is good too i mean because Mm -hmm. you get it's a whole nother it's a whole different playground and i just think really artistic talented people they're going to be able to have a chance to shine kind of like how when indie games started to um come into focus same thing with developers you know right before we move on before we really move on Guys, I'm going to be recording podcasts on a whole bunch of early 2000s movies. I've already done Blade. I've got someone for Daredevil and uh, I've got people for X-Men. But that leaves Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, X2. All those things are open. So Austin Coach, you're you're both in- right. invited. Down. George, can I request can I request an episode yeah. with you? Yeah, what's, yeah, what's up? Can we Can we watch the um the, the Incredible Hulk movie from 2003 or whatever that was. <laughs> okay, see, but that's the thing. That was a movie I wanted to talk about earlier, and I'm like, I don't want to mention this. They're going to make fun of me. That movie is bad, but it is, like, the prettiest bad movie that's ever existed, True. ever. Like, Ang Lee shot the crap out of that movie. It is absolutely gorgeous. I would the sto- love The story sucks. Down. The story sucks. The, the casting is weird as hell. Like, I, why is Nick Nolte in that movie? That makes no sense. But that movie is so freaking pretty. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do Hulk. Okay. Let's do Hulk. I, awesome. I, I'm so I, excited. I just freaking adored that movie when I was a kid. You know, just being a, a worthless child. Just like I love the Godzilla movie from freaking Roland Emmerich. That, from as 98? Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Um, hey, man. So, PD, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I need to rewatch that. And I, and I want to sit down and talk about it with you. Because I know it's... it's um, it's probably fun to watch in 2021. <laughs> Coach, you want to come along for the ride on okay, that? Okay, I guess. Okay, sweet. I just, still remember in the theater seeing not the the trailer, but the teaser of that. Yeah. The teaser of that movie. Yep. Going like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> I knew I was about to move to South America to live with my mom. So I remember telling my dad, like, oh, no, I'm going to the movies, but don't worry, I'm going with my friends. And, like, I didn't talk to anyone. I was, like, so depressed that I was leaving. So I would just, like, walk from my house. This is back when I lived in town. And then walk downtown and just go. I saw Hulk by myself. I saw Matrix Revolutions or Matrix Reloaded by myself. Oh, and I saw X, X-Men 2 by myself because I was just, like, so bummed. I, like, didn't know how to tell my friends I was moving. So I just sat there and <laughs> was really sad by myself watching Hulk. And I was 13. I was like, I don't know if this is good or not. <laughs> saw some good movies there, George. You sure did. Saw some yeah. good movies. Well, you mentioned The Matrix. That's next week. I'm hoping that's good. Very excited oh, for that movie. I was really excited for that movie because I thought it was going to be a prequel. Like, you know yeah. how in Matrix Reloaded, when he meets up with the architect, he's like, we've had this conversation nine different times before. Right. I thought it was going to be like one of those times. It was going to be like the yeah. time before it, it changed. And I was really excited, but I guess this movie takes place after, which I'm, I'm yeah. super excited to see like how that works out. One of the, uh, one of the movies the Wachowski siblings did that I think is incredibly underrated. It's a bad movie, but I love it so much is Jupiter ascending. I've never seen that movie. It is not great, but it should have been three movies. Like that is right. absolutely had enough material to be a trilogy. I think it would have done them a lot of favors. But there's just so much I love about that movie. So like I'm, I'm I'll follow any Wachowski into whatever foxhole they want me. In. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm there. So it's not what I thought it was going to be, but I'm still amped as hell for this movie. Just for some, uh, we'll move off this topic, but a good transition point. I was kind of curious about this. I just thought of this. You know, we had the Game Awards last week, and and um, 
we did some predictions. George, I know you've got the the final yeah. tally. Yeah, I've got the list. Give it. I've got the list right here. Um, I'm actually I'm going to read through all the categories because okay. Coach said he didn't watch it, so I want you to uh, right. hear our guesses. And Elijah unfortunately couldn't be here; he's not feeling well. So yes. Austin, if you want to give some logic behind your selections, um, mm-hmm. feel free to jump in. Uh, for innovation in accessibility, Elijah won uh, correctly, predicting Forza Horizon Five. Austin guessed Ratchet and Clank. I guessed Far Cry Six. I don't think we need to explain that one. Those all yeah. those games do a great job of making themselves more accessible and forza was i guess the one that stood out yep yep microsoft pushes that yeah they do with all their games that that's like you know they're the first ones to really uh i disagree be out there i think playstation was like the first ones to really do it because the first time i really heard about accessibility and all these different things that people could change was uh last of us 2 that was like the first time I remember like a first party game sticking out. I think third, I think third party usually does a better job. To be honest, you might be right, but you do also have to think back to when they released that um, accessibility controller. controller, sure, the sure, Xbox, sure. which was I yeah, don't know how did, long ago that was at the, this point, but I know that was a pretty big deal. Three years ago, I think. Yeah, something like um, that. So. Oh yeah, discounting that, I just mean like in terms of software. yeah, both are both are definitely focused on it at this point, though. Is Nintendo doing anything in that measure? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about Nintendo. I don't know. I I want to say the answer is no. Yeah, it sucks because like the two colors that like people colorblind people can't see are like red and green, and it's just like well, <laughs> sucks that there's uh two pretty important characters in or like every <laughs> important character, I guess. Like oh yeah, it's like yeah. Mario and Luigi, and I'm like. There's Link, uh, there's Yoshi, uh, <laughs> there's just just a lot of green. Sorry, Austin, I, I will, I'll Venmo you this time. Um, let's see, most anticipated, we all guessed correctly, it was Elden Ring. Best multiplayer, Elijah and Austin correctly guessed It Takes Two. I guessed Back for Blood. <sighs> Best sim slash strategy game, we all went with Flight Sim. It was Age of Empires 4. What a disappointment. Best, yeah, right? <laughs> Especially every review I read of Age of Empires is like, uh, yeah, this game is uh, basically just Age of Empires yeah. 3 with, with like a couple fixes. Except this one new faction, the uh, the Mongolians are kind of cool. That was what every review said. And then whatever. What do I know? What, what, what do any of us know? Um, best sports slash racing. We all guessed correctly. Forza 5. Uh, sorry, Forza Horizon 5. Best family uh, title. We were all wrong. Elijah and Austin said Super Mario 3D World. I said Mario Party Superstars. The correct answer was It Takes Two. Which, just insane pick. Because I said it whenever we did the the pre-show, the predictions. But I would not choose It Takes Two for Best Family Game because I don't really think it's a family-oriented story. No, it's it's, re- it's really not. <laughs> it's about um, two parents getting a divorce. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And like a super horny book trying to get them back together. Yeah. <laughs> Best fighting game, we all guessed correctly. It was Guilty Gear Strive. Best role-playing game, Elijah said Cyberpunk. I said Shin Megami Tensei V. Austin was correct. It was Tales of Arise. Best action game, Elijah and Austin guessed Returnal. I guessed Deathloop. I was wrong. Returnal was the winner. Best action adventure, I guessed Guardians of the Galaxy. Elijah guessed Resident Evil Village. Austin guessed correctly. It was Metroid Dread. Best performance, I said Anton Castillo. Austin said Juliana from Deathloop. Elijah said Colt from Deathloop. And it was actually Maggie Robertson who played Lady Dimitrescu from Resident Evil 8. Best audio design, I guess Returnal. Elijah and Austin guessed correctly. It was Forza Horizon 5. Best score in music, Austin guessed Guardians of the Galaxy. Elijah and I guessed Near Replicant. It was Near Replicant. Best art direction, I said Psychonauts. Austin Elijah said Kena, Bridge of Spirits. It was Deathloop, which makes sense. That game has oh, really yeah. cool. Did you really guys cool vote every every uh, category? Uh, no, we just got a couple more. Oh, okay. um, best narrative. Elijah said Life is Strange, True Colors. Austin said Deathloop. I won. I'm the winner. And everyone knows that best <laughs> narrative is the most important award every year. So that I won the competition this year with Guardians of the Galaxy. Best debut indie, Elijah said Kena, Bridge of Spirits. I said Forgotten City. Elijah was, of course, right. And that was pretty much all we got correct. Uh, Final tally, I was in third place with five. 
correct guesses. Austin was in second with eight, and Elijah won overall with nine. So congrats, Elijah. Good for you, Elijah. You did it, Elijah. Okay, George, what do you think he's going to make us play? He's not on this week, but for those listening, when he's back next week, he'll he's going to tell us we have to play a game. That was the bet. It's going to be Doki Doki Literature Club. Like, you I know feel like, like it's what's the do. bet? Basically, whoever won was going to make the other two people play a certain game of their choosing. So to talk, I, to, yeah, to talk yeah. about on the podcast. Yeah. I think it. I think it's got to sure. be. I think it's got to be Doki Doki. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Which is free on Steam, Coach. If you <laughs> want to play, if you want to join us. I honestly, Coach or George, I cannot see Coach sitting there playing a visual knob. <laughs> yeah, but I like I can play it on my like my MacBook, like my crappy little you know five year old MacBook. So if it's one of those things where like you're in bed, you know, you got like your laptop on your tummy, you know, giving you a little little ache, a little burn on your on your belly button, hmm. and you just cl- click through things. I don't know. I can oh, see geez. Coach playing it. That's what I'm I looking at pictures. Are you Coach. kidding me? <laughs> Coach is looking at pictures of Doki Doki. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think he told. I think Elijah told Seth to play that game, and Seth was like really against it until the game like pops off apparently, and then uh, and then Seth was just all in. Like he was just hog yeah. wild about that game. He loved. No, it. I mean the reality is, I feel like that's a game I would enjoy. Um. Because I like I like visual novels. I like Danganronpa and, and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, I'd, I'd enjoy it more if I could get trophies on my Vita. <laughs> but yeah, that's fine. So let's wrap it up here. Then um, we can do this one of two ways. Of of course, Halo uh, Infinite, the campaign came out, so we can dive right into that. Or should we just kind of talk about games we've been playing and in, include Halo in that? What do you, what well, do you all I've been playing is Halo. So okay, well, same for me, pretty much. George, have you been playing anything else you want to mention? I've revisited some other games that I'm very excited to talk about in our game of the year episode. Um, they've they've patched Aliens Fireteam Elite. I still can't recommend that game. <laughs> Out on that's, Game Pass. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that game. I I, I want to be nice, so all I'll say is do your spend your time doing literally anything else. If you have a, a set of stairs in your apartment, I recommend falling down them instead of playing that game. I I went mean. That was mean, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Damn. pretty mean. That was mean. Sorry, sorry, Fire Team Elite. You, you suck. You're a bad game. Uh, let's let's do it. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room. Let's talk about Halo. Holy crap, Halo, you guys. Okay, so let's let's walk through then. Um, George, how much of Halo have you played so far? Where are you at in the game? I have done spoiler free, of course. Spoiler free. I've done the first five missions. When you say missions, what do you mean? Like story missions that are like actual, like moving the plot forward. Okay. And I've also cleared every single firebase. (laughs) Like like that's, uh, there's all these options. It's basically, like, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not for people, but like the game's also out. It's free on Game Pass, so please download it. It's basically the best Far Cry game that's ever been made. Yeah. Like they just took the Far Cry formula and just put an incredibly beautiful Halo sheen on it. So I've done every side thing I can. Like I've just all I want to do is just walk around Zeta Halo or wherever we are, whatever it's called. And you've got the harpoon, the the grappling, the grappling hook, hook. whatever. Yeah. Oh my god! I just mountain climb. Like I just go spelunking all yep. day. It, it, it's just so much fun. And then you'll come across like a Covenant patrol or a Banished patrol, whatever they want to call themselves now. Um. I just finished the mission called the Dig Site. If that means anything to anyone, that's all I'm going to say. One of the one of the hardest Halo missions I've ever played in my entire life. That was such a pain in the ass, but it, God, it was so much fun. Coach, where are you at with the game? How how much have you played? So I've played, I don't know, about seven or eight, seven to ten hours. But I've just been really taking my time going to each point on the uh on the map and just clearing it as i go like strategically so uh i just what a way to make halo right like they had to do something to the formula right they had to change it because you just don't want to rinse and repeat so many times but to be able to like choose your path on how you want the game to progress is brilliant and of course, three four three 
One thing he never complained about as far as the campaigns is gameplay wise, it was always good. It was just the story that was always yeah. lacking, right? 100%. So yeah. I knew going into this that the gameplay was going to be on point. The weapons, you know, I like the weapons. Uh, the Guardian weapons were fun in Halo 5, but these weapons I really like, right? Of the Banished. And uh, it's just, it's different and it's fresh. And it just, I think this is, I think that this is a starting point for better things to come for the Halo series. They're just going to get better. They're going to get better as uh, now that they found something that actually people are enjoying. Yeah, I know. I agree because I mean, four and five, look, I liked four actually. I'm, I was, I I enjoyed four four quite a bit. Yeah. Four, I think, is like a legit good game. Yeah. Um, five, I mean, basically what you said, Coach, the story was horrendous, but the, the gameplay was good at least, so they they at least had that right. But I think this is the first time where I feel like they've truly nailed Halo. Like, they've gotten the Halo feel, they've gotten the story, they've got the gameplay. Um, it, it it just is a... From what I've played, and I'm the, the least of all of us so far, I've probably only played about two hours um, just because I haven't had a ton of time to to play since it released last week but um i think it just nails everything i was hoping for i mean it it really does to me feel like a true successor to halo 3 or the original trilogy and that's something where four and five to me both as again really liked four um didn't care for five too much but four and five both felt like they were like offshoots of halo like they just didn't feel true to That's the original a good way to trilogy. Yeah. And this is the first time where I feel like I mean you could tell me Bungie made this game and I'd believe you because it feels so just the atmosphere and the story that they're setting up and the way things work it feels so much like the original trilogy and that is such a good thing. I think specifically it doesn't even feel like the original trilogy. I think it really feels like the first game. Yeah. Right, like yeah. there, there was something I replayed Halo One and Two. I didn't have time to do three, four, five ODST and Reach, unfortunately, before this one came out. There's something really magical about just like setting foot on the first Halo. You know, like when you come out of that escape pod from the the mission on um in Ambercloud or whatever that that ship is, um, and you just like look around, you just see like this weird alien environment. And they they really nailed that feeling where you're just going around. It's like it feels completely fresh and new. And this feels like I didn't like Breath of the Wild, but like I understand that it was the right thing to do for Zelda. Like it's not like how I want to consume a Zelda game, but I get why they did it. And this feels like the Breath of the Wildification of of Halo, really, right? Where they just like open it up and just sort of like let you engage with it how you want to. Yeah, no, I agree. And and coach like you, I guess the way I've been playing um so far at least, you know, I've done a couple story missions, but it's mostly just been me zigzagging around the map, you know, kind of taking it uh strategically and going through and, and hitting like you said every single thing. So I'll go through and do like the little I don't know what they call them, but like the the propaganda speakers with the grunts, which are hilarious oh by the way the, gosh, the grunts yes. have just the best dialogue you ever jerk. <laughs> you human jerk <laughs> we're gonna kill you yeah i saw one, i saw one on twitter the other day just like wait you mean the guy we've been scared of this entire time the entire time is named john we're scared of a guy named john <laughs> it's like yeah that's a good point john's kind of like a weird name for like the most you know efficient military personnel in the history of of earth <laughs> like it's, it's weird to call master chief john <laughs> and there's 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 just so much uh it, it's it's like it's just refreshing i guess the that's the best way to put it is it's refreshing it feels new right and going back to the first game the level design was just top-notch right it was top notch. And so I think for this, though, the whole world design was um, it, it just it's so there's so much attention to detail. But I will say this. 
I did find, uh, I don't know if you guys had any issues yet, but I found uh, this, I did have my frames skip, right? Quite a bit. I was on a turret and I was just taking out enemies and then it just, it just slowed to a crawl. But um, for the most part, everything's been smooth, you know? Yeah, I, I haven't really had any issues. I think the one I have had, um, I was playing this morning and the game just crashed on me. So that was that was the only real problem I've had so far. I've had one crash, but like the game saves so frequently that like I don't. Right. It's not like I, I'm not like, damn it. You know, like I haven't been screwed over by any technical issues yet. There's like weird frame rate stuff when I'm like clambering, like, you know, like when Master Chief like puts like his left hand out to like climb up a rock or something like that looks a little weird to me. Um, and, and Fabio, who's like a huge Halo head, uh, he said the same thing. But besides that, like, I think it's great. I think it's like a perfect size open world, too. Like, it's it's not so big where I hate that I have to go somewhere else. But it also it's not so small that, like, I, I can just do everything in in one session. Like, they really nailed the the scale and the scope of it to an impressive degree. Yeah, and I love to just the, you know, one of my favorite things is is going around and doing the um i forget what they're called but like the little side quest missions where you go and rescue the soldiers Mm -hmm. oh yeah and i just love the the way that it makes you feel like finally like as master chief as that like hero to like all these these soldiers that are out there on the battlefield and like you're running in like saving them um just like the the way that that in in my head at least kind of finally portrays master chief as like this just badass like hero for for the people that serve under him it's 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 such a cool kind of i know it's not like a direct emotion but just kind of the emotion it portrays playing as as master chief it kind of makes me think of like playing as the doom slayer and just getting that experience of like okay i'm gonna go through and you you're all like my playthings. you're all gonna get demolished right <laughs> um and it kind of it kind of like a similar experience for me of, of like, all right, you guys are you guys are there and you're about to be destroyed in two seconds. I'm saving my pals. <laughs> One thing I love, too, is that the the Marines you do rescue, like they're not pushovers in this game. I feel like in previous Halo games, you'd have Marines tag along with you, but they'd only be with you for like a few minutes because right. it, it didn't take enough damage to knock them out. But like they're actually like competent good ai companions in this game like and, the, and they'll so bust many... your balls too like yeah you're like if i'm like okay i need to use the restroom quick when i come back out here i'm saying are you okay cheap what's wrong you know they're, they're like <laughs> they're <kinda laughs> like mess with you right um so yeah what well, i usually do what i tend to do real quick sorry is on, please once i um rescue I'll I'll find my next objective and I have to kind of go slow. But if you find a good path where you don't have to go through any crazy rocks, which is kind of hard, right? They will fight with you and it will make uh you don't have to go in just guns a blazing. You'll have like four or five guys with you taking down an objective. So I'll go slower, but I'll keep them at my side so that way, you know. I've I've done that too. And it's awesome. Cause there's some missions on the map that are called high value targets where there's just like some, you know, banished Lieutenant who's got like his, his guard with him. And I remember rolling up to one with like six or seven different Marines. Cause like, I just done like a couple different like rescue missions basically. And like, it actually felt like I was like leading an attack on, right. on the banished with, when there's like no like command button or anything. Like it's not like rainbow six where you can like actually issue like directives or whatever, but it's really cool. And there's certain missions where you'll go into like a banished area and there's captured Marines. And the first couple times I came across it, I was like, oh, I'm not going to free you until I kill everyone because you're just going to die. And like in my head, I'm like emotionally like, I don't want to see you die. I want you to survive and and thrive. And that way, like my head storytelling, I'm like, oh, they're doing things in the background. But I was so screwed in like one mission that I ended up just freeing them. And like they actually like saved my ass a bunch. Like, they grabbed rocket launchers and they were just like shelling banished from across the map. And so like now the first thing I do is like try to free them just to get yes. more allies. Yeah. That's I what, that's what my strategy is too, is I'll, uh, 
I'll see if it's okay to just make a beeline to that, to whatever they're hooked up to, right? That electrical, mm -hmm. um, whatever you want to call it. And then I'll try and get them. And then once they're loose, now they're taking on others. And then you could go get the big ones. You could go just hop in between and not have to worry. Also, how much fun is throwing stuff? Like if you get like the, the shock coil or whatever, you know, just like picking up like the tubes. Oh, and then it's just, so great. And then just yes. throwing it. Yeah. And like using the grappling hook to like grab them from like 20 feet away or, or oh, whatever yeah. and just toss it. Oh, man. When I first saw that in the gameplay trailers, I was like, okay, this is cool. But like, is this going to be like enjoyable to do over and over again? And the answer is hell yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, I felt absolutely. Like I I felt like Joe Montana. Like I was just throwing cold ropes. Like I, I was just doing like eighty yard like check down passes, basically, and just nailing these snipers. It, it, God, it's it feels so good. And like I die so much. There's one boss fight in the dig site mission that is like the most infuriating thing ever because you're spoilers. Like you're just going up against a super tough enemy, and it's a confined space, and they have a gravity hammer. And it is like I died several times doing that. Um. But man, when I finally got it, like I actually like teabagged him like in the game because I was so like, like it took me a half hour to do, but I finally got there and I, I just I, I went I let myself go full Halo and it felt great. I played some this morning and, you know, just on the topic of boss fights, I did one of those high value targets. And I think this is actually one of the first ones you come across, but it was the one where the guy had like the active camo and the energy sword. Yeah. It's like right near like your first like entrance into the open world. And I don't know what was wrong with me, but he just kept demolishing me. Like I couldn't find him and he kept on running up to me and just slicing my body up and just destroying me. <laughs> have, have you done how many story missions have you done? Uh, I don't even know. Honestly, I'm, I'm not really you, sure. You, uh, you, you will unlock something that will make encounters like that a lot easier if you okay. progress through the story. That's all okay. I'll say. Yeah, I definitely don't have whatever whatever um, the item is so, okay yeah so you have grappling hooks and that's cool you, yeah. you get other stuff you get other, other okay that's like awesome that. that's awesome so i did want to ask you guys um and and 343 hasn't done this but do you think there's a chance that we'll get some story dlc or do you think it'll be all just um mm -hmm. it's well i wouldn't put it past them I wouldn't put it past them because with four, they had the fire team stuff, which was it wasn't direct story like it wasn't exactly part of like the main story campaign. But it was like the series of if I'm remembering correctly, it was like co-op missions that they added in kind of like seasonally. So you get like a chapter every month or two and it would each of them would have story and you could play them with your friends. And it was kind of interesting <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah, it's um, Spartan Ops or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it was called. Yeah, I don't I don't I can't re recall the name, but I could see them doing something like that again once they release the the co-op in May or whatever it's going to be, which is still ridiculous to me, but I so I I agree that it's ridiculous. However, the first time I play a Halo game, I don't want to play with anyone. Like I yeah. want to experience it at exactly my pace. I don't want to like sit there and just talk to my friend and like gloss over all the story details. Like I want to sit there and experience right, it, it the all way in. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm down to replay this game with you guys. Let's like, do it. If they, had, if they had four player co-op, hell yeah, I'm there. But man, I got to finish this game first. I'm not playing. I think it will any. be four player only because when you take over a fob, how many uh, kiosks are there? Kind of, you know, there's four yeah. kiosks there where you can get your weapons. So I'm thinking that there's four. Now, is this true that the file that's on the disk is the same file that we downloaded before we downloaded the game? Remember, we could download something, um, and it was it was a really yeah, small yeah that like two hundred megabyte file. Yes. So what's up with the? And I haven't read too much, um, but the disk there's not a a lot of data on it. Yeah, I need to look into it a little more, but my understanding is the disc is like not the complete game, which is very odd. Yeah, it's like the it's the launcher, right? To, yeah, <laughs> to, to trigger a download of the game. Yeah, so that's I mean, and I get it. Like it's 2021. Yeah, like most people have their Xboxes hooked up to the internet, but still, man, just for game preservation purposes, it 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 really sucks. 
that that's the the way they release the game. And my understanding is they did the same thing with Forza Horizon 5. So I'm hoping that this is not the new norm. But kind of kind of seems like kind of seems like the new norm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, though I I think we'll we'll wrap it up there then. I mean, we're all enjoying Halo. I'm sure you'll hear our thoughts more in the coming weeks. I'm excited to dig more into it and um just really really enjoying that game and we'll see where it ends up on our game of the year list i guess at the end of the year looking pretty good so far <laughs> yeah. hey i still wait hold on sorry before we finish yeah. up are there any games you want to play before we get to our game of the year stuff like is there anything you're behind on yes i have a couple so it's going to be a it's going to be a real tight race to yeah. two weeks from today yeah. um I at bare minimum I want to finish Halo and it takes two. Um which Andy and I are probably about halfway through it takes two, which is cr- What's the last what's the last thing you did in it takes two? We did you know the part when the book like straps you to to a chair and you're like you the first one you do like this time oriented challenge and then the next one I don't even remember what it is, but where that's that's around where we're at. I think that's like a mini game you found in the game, so I, I don't remember that one. No, 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 no. It's not a mini game. It's it's when you have the the watch, the stopwatch, and you can control time. Oh, that oh that, that one's super. Yeah. Okay, that that part's awesome. Okay, yeah. I think so I think you're we're either halfway that. or like okay, you're either halfway or like two thirds through. Yeah. So I need to do that and and Halo. My originally my goal was also going to be Resident Evil Eight, but I, there's no way. I'm not going to make it. So Halo and, and it it's takes right. two of my favorite ones. I'm I'm going to propose that we also have like a a retroactive game of the year watch in like June yeah. of next year, where we just talk about the games we didn't have time to get to, just because okay. we don't That's do this for a living, we do this for fun, we do this as a hobby, but we also have to do stuff to live outside of this. Yeah. So we're. <laughs> I haven't gotten to play Scarlet Nexus yet. I'd really like to. I haven't gotten to play Tales of Arise yet. I'd really like to. I also really like paying my mortgage on time. <laughs> you know, it's just stuff like that. <laughs> I think I'll have three games that I could really talk about or choose. Make a um, Call of Duty, Halo, and then uh, Forza Horizon. Because I've been kind of deep diving into it. And uh, it's it's good. But right now, Halo's, Halo's taking over. Yeah, same. Same. It's it sucks with all this negative stuff happening at at Activision and Blizzard. Hopefully, like there's like actual you know change that that happens there, so this kind of stuff doesn't happen again. And it's it's a real shame because like I know like the QA tester had nothing to do with this. You know, like the the narrative writer for Vanguard had nothing to do with this, and like they're all of a sudden they have to feel guilty about this game they release when like Vanguard is fantastic. Vanguard is a, is a great Call of Duty game. I'll play it eventually. Yeah, I, I, I honestly I haven't played Call of Duty in in years, but it does look good. So, all right, guys. Well, we will wrap it up there. Then, thank you all for listening. Of course, if you're at this point in the show, you know where to find us. But you can let your friends know where to find us. It's always good for you to share it around. Let your friends know we're we're here, and tell them to listen to us if they're interested in some fun video game slash. MCU content apparently in this episode. Good, good discussion we had there. Um, of course, you can find us all on Twitter. Frameskip in particular um, is on social media. Is at um, at Frameskip on social media at um, Twitter and, and Instagram, and then we're also on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash/FrameskipPod. You can send us in some questions on those social media platforms, or you can also find our question form at bit.ly bit.ly slash frame skip Q. So you can go there and submit some questions. We're always willing to take some of those, especially as we head toward the end of the year. Um, like I said earlier, we're going to have some, some game of the year discussions. So I'm sure there are some questions out there that, that you guys have for us on that type of stuff. Individually, we're on Twitter as well. George is at PurpleBird616. Yeah, wait, ooh, sorry. Uh, please follow at PurpleBird616. I am launching Shortbox Summary this week, so please look forward to a trailer episode that should be coming out Wednesday, December 15th at noon. And then 
the first episode in earnest comes out on December 17th. Fabio and I, Fabio has been on this podcast before, we are talking about Avengers Disassembled, and I am so excited to get to that era of Marvel Comics. Yeah, go check it out. I'm I'm sure you guys heard at one point there was a, a short box summary episode on our feed, so got a little prequel of, of the show a couple months now, I think, at this point, and so if you enjoyed that, George is uh, releasing the, the full deal now, so go check that out. Of course, Coach, you're also on Twitter at FrameskipPod. Woo. You can find him there. I am at, on Twitter at Austin J. Eller. And then our buddies who aren't with us tonight, Elijah is at Local Lizard Man. He's also on Twitch at Local Lizard Man. And then we have Seth at Seth the 90s Kid. So don't check follow us. Him. Yeah, don't, do not follow him, please. Daddy wants to be followed now. <laughs> I don't know. That's no. That's all, Seth wants, all Seth wants is people to stop stealing his Amazon packages in front of his apartment. That's all he wants. He yes. doesn't want you to follow yes. him. He just wants you to stop stealing his crap. Yes, please stop. Just stop. Whatever you're, whatever you are, whatever you're doing. Wouldn't you love to catch somebody? <laughs> oh, I don't know. So, I'm not. I'm not in the military. I've never had military training. I uh, I would love to yell at someone, but also like, do you know how like my heartbeat goes up when like someone like bumps into me at the mall, and I like think it's like going to be a thing when it was like clearly just like an accident. I got not very good at confrontation, I think is what I'm getting at. It's okay. I'm the same way, George. I've, I've been in exactly one fight and it was just awkward and terrible. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next week. See ya. Peace. Smooch.